yeah, it's 5pm, that's the UK time, therefore it must be time for the Richie Allen Show. How are you doing? Have you had a good weekend? Thanks for joining me once again, it's Monday's programme. Chat with me during it at uh, richieallen.co.uk, that's my website, leave a message where it says comment live. Uncensored, unfiltered, you're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, my great friend Mark Boyerski joins the program in about 45 minutes' time. Love the man. Always great value. Great conversation with him. Mark joins me. The man behind the Pure Energy Healing Academy. He is an author. He's got a fantastic YouTube channel as well, which I highly recommend that uh, you check out if you get the chance. Mark Bayerski of markbayerski.com. My guest today, Monday's programme, it is the 23rd of May 2022, which is a red letter day in my house because on the 23rd of May 1978, El Frogo Tremendo was spawned. Yeah, she was spawned. Yes, 44 years old is the oft-mentioned future missus. So happy birthday. What did you get her, Baldy? None of your business is what I got her. <laughs> I'm, I'm as predictable as the tides. Flowers, chocolates, the usual. I'm nothing if I'm not a romantic. Anyway, happy birthday, El Frogo. Did you see this um, about, uh, you might have seen this today. Apparently, now I'm sure you're going to have strong opinions on it. And if you do, if you do, please share them with me. Don't just hurl expletives into your living room. Share your thoughts with me. But um, babies as young as three months old apparently can be uh, racially biased. What kind of fuckery are you? No, no, no. It's serious now. It's serious. Islington Council. Think Jeremy Corbyn once upon a time. It's early years department has shared a graphic entitled Children Are Never Too Young to talk about race. This was made by the Children's Community School, but shared by the Islington Early Years Twitter page. It talks and details how racial biases develop in children as they age. Yes, as they age. And this is research now that dates back to the early 2000s. Yes, yes. So the poster... As I said, details that children as young as three months. Let me let me read this. At three months, babies look more at faces that match the race of their caregivers. The poster reads. It then says the children as young as two use race to reason about people's behaviours. By age two and a half, the poster says the majority of children will use race to determine which other children to play with. So by two and a half, 
the children is making decisions based on ethnicity concerning who they should and shouldn't play with. It then goes on to say expressions of racial prejudice peak at around four or five years old, at which point white children are strongly biased in favour of whiteness and they have learned to associate some groups with higher status than others. By five, they're making class distinctions based on ethnicity, says the poster. This is funny. It would be funny this if it wasn't so blooming serious. The research, dating back to 2005, found that newborn babies didn't demonstrate a preference for the ethnicity of their caregivers, but by three months old, they appeared to have learned. By three months old, they appear to have learned. Mm. So this will, in my opinion, inevitably lead to six months old white babies being sent home from daycare or from nurseries. What do they call it these days? Is it daycare or is it nurseries? Six months old white babies being sent home. Why? Well, he's microaggressing baby Ahmed. It's the way that he looks at him. It's the way he looks at baby Ahmed, the racist little bollocks. What? But he's only six months old. Well, sorry, Mr. Allen, but your son is a Nazi. A stretch? Maybe. Have a listen to Tom Swarbrick last week with a woman, a, a, a mad woman of colour. This is an LBC radio presenter speaking to a woman of colour about racism. Very quickly, if I say to you that I hand on heart hand on heart, um, believe that I am not racist. Do you think that's, that's going to be wrong, by definition? I don't think that's accurate, no. Do you think that's true of any other white person? No, I do not believe that. That all white people are inherently... I'm, I'm not actually saying that it's just white people either, so I think we, I need to be very clear about that. Right. We all have racialized judgments. And we make decisions based on that racial identity um, and information. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of studies to support this. That you know, being a black woman doesn't mean that I'm impervious to practicing no. No, white okay. supremacy. But that, that that is also is that that's also going to be true for 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 you too, right? Isn't it? If if we all Absolutely. view people through a an inbuilt bias about the colour of their skin, then we're all racist constantly all the time. Absolutely. Fuck off. Absolutely, she says. We're all racist all of the time, including blacks. We're all racist. How do you defeat that? How do you even begin to discuss anything with that sort of mentality? We'll leave it there for the moment. We'll come back to it. Are you as interested by the coverage of monkeypox as I am? Monkeypox? Should we be shitting ourselves no, that's the winter vomiting bug, isn't it? That's norovirus, yeah. Monkeypox, with its lesions spread by close personal contact. Does it remind you of anything? And uh, it's related to smallpox, apparently. And there are calls now to roll out the smallpox vaccine here in the UK and elsewhere. It's all very familiar, isn't it? Let's have a listen to Ian Collins on talk radio this afternoon. Ian Collins reckons he can get to the bottom of the monkeypox hysteria. Do you know what? There is a panic out, I swear. I've seen more people wearing masks. 
And the just this morning, on my way to the train station, I me too. I have to say, saw, and this was unfathomable during the height of COVID. Somebody on their own in a car wearing a mask, and you do wonder. You you want to stop the car and say, just out of interest, mate. I know it's a democracy; you can wear whatever you like on your fizzog, but out of interest, what is with the mask? You're literally just sitting in a car on your tot. So it's the monkeypox. Got twenty-one cases. It doesn't actually exist in most countries either. On social media, I know this is not always the barometer, people are losing their shizzle over this. I saw one woman write this weekend that she was considering taking her children out of school. <laughs> Another, and I don't think she was being ironic, by the way. Well, that's what's happened. No, she wasn't being ironic when she said she's thinking of taking her children out of school in order that they don't bring home the dreaded monkeypox. It's what the COVID fear-mongering has done to people. I noticed people wearing masks this morning on my run too. Genuinely, I'm not making it up. Why would I? I did. And I hadn't been noticing masks so much of late. So now the monkeypox is here. And the masks are back. Well, they're not quite back, but some people are wearing them and some people are taking their children out of school or at least professing to be considering taking their children out of school so that they don't bring home the dreaded monkeypox. Uh, another said she cancelled their holiday <laughs> because of this. I mean, you could go nuts on this one. No pun intended. Uh, we already have more misinformation in the last 48 hours than we've had in the last 48 years. Seriously. On this, all because of social media. And yet the facts are out there. Don't believe the nonsense. We live in a world where we have experts on tap via the internet programs such as this. This is a good time to be in alive in so many respects. Yeah, it's a good time to be alive because you have talk radio and you can trust talk radio, can't you? Not really. You can't trust any of them. If they were doing their bloody job, the COVID scam would have ended in about 20 minutes, wouldn't it? It's exactly 10 minutes past the hour. Talk to me about monkeypox. I, I, I knew I wasn't losing my mind when I talked about sexually transmitted monkeypox and lesbians, gays and trans people. There was mention, or there was a mention, of it being transmitted more openly, uh, more readily uh, among gay people. Because this is the Daily Mail now. Not me. I won't say this because my friend Andy, my lawyer friend Andy, who is gay, he will chastise me for suggesting that gay men are more promiscuous. I said that before and he said, Richie, I'll kill you. If you keep saying that. Uh, it isn't strictly true, of course, that promiscuity is more prevalent among gay men. But anyway, monkeypox! What's going on? I asked um, a friend of ours, that's you, a friend of ours, this morning, the great Peter Ebden, how far do you think they'll take this one, monkeypox? And Peter's rather, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Deadpan reply was, deadpan, that's the word, was, well, as far as far as they can get away with it, they'll take it. Patricia is, 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 has been on to say, there is a saying that children don't learn as much by what their parents say, but as their parents do. Children are constantly watching their parents and they are very sensitive to their parents' emotions. In my opinion, it is the parents or caregivers will make a child aware of the differences in people. Personally, says Patricia, I have never seen it. Patrick is not too impressed with the idea of babies discriminating. Uh, me neither, Patrick. I'm obviously very open to the idea 
first of all, I'm open to, to the idea that I don't know squat about very much, because I don't. I'm just an opinionated, bold gammon of a thing. I do have some... I am well-read in some subjects, in others I don't know very much. I am open to the possibility, to the probability of familiarity, you know, that maybe people gravitate more more towards people who look and sound as they do. I've read about this, you've read about this, I'm open to that possibility. But it doesn't mean anything other than that, you know, that you would hang with groups of people who have far more in common with you than other groups of people, including how they look. That can be argued, and I am open to that possibility. It doesn't mean that alongside that, you think that the other person with the darker skin and the accent is somehow, you know, less intelligent or less moral than you are. It's nonsense, this. It's nonsense. Richard Kelly says, outbreak. Dustin Hoffman, he says. Uh, Craig says, babies can be racist. Good excuse to raise babies in interracial communities rather than traditional family units, says Craig. Yes, it takes a village, doesn't it? And now it takes a multicultural village to give a child the best chance in life to avoid growing up to be a dirty racist. Yes. Surrounded by morons says, if we're all racist all the time, then is it racism? Also, I'm mixed race. How am I going to be classified as racist? Am I immune to this ridiculous automatic label? Caroline Feely says, my grandson Jason... uh, uh, Jacob, is it Jacob 4? Jacob, I think it's Jacob 4, was playing Bath the Baby at nursery last week. Jacob chose the brown baby doll. Kids are not racist. The adults doing these surveys or whatever are the racists in my opinion. And that's Caroline Feely. This is the Richie Allen Show. And it's live from Salford, BBG Towers. It's 14 minutes past five. More news in a moment. Don't forget the the wonderful Mark Bayerski joins us live from Spain a bit later on. This is Van Halen from the album 1984. It's a great track called Jump. Back with more after this. Keep those messages coming in richieallen.co.uk Yeah, David Lee Ross had some spring on him. God bless him back in the day. That's Jump from Van Halen, the Richie Allen Show. The world's most listened to independent radio show broadcasting live from Salford. Uh, the BBG behind the microphone until seven. Mark Bayerski with me soon enough. Caroline got back on to say, Richie, it's pronounced Jacob. The, the daughter made the name up, says Caroline. Jacob. There you are. Why not? If you don't like the 75 million names on offer, make your own one up, I say. Well done, Caroline. Katja, how you doing, Katja? I remember chatting with you on the phone-ins. She says, Richie, I'm in South Africa. This child racism business is rubbish, my husband says. He says they were playing with little black children, even in the apartheid time. And here, I always see children playing together. Whatever the race is, Katja, it is only adults 
that are so crazy. That's Katya there. Nice to hear from you, Katya. Patricia came back on to say the psychopaths in control have seen what it's like and love it to have total control of people. They know that the COVID-19 narrative is failing. They are searching for the next fear factor. Could it be monkeypox? I'm thinking yes, says Patricia. Faisal says, Richie, uh, only about four out of five people wearing masks on full... uh, Sorry, only about four in five or four-fifths of people wearing masks on a full train recently. Still constant announcements on the overground, but no longer announcements on the tube train, says Faisal. Thank you, Faisal. Mm. I've not taken a train for some time. I went to the snooker in Sheffield a couple of weeks ago, the bank holiday Monday. I was due to take a train from Salford Precinct down to Sheffield, but the train was cancelled. On the morning I was due to go, which meant I had to drive, which pissed me off because I couldn't drink anywhere near as much as I had planned to drink. So I had to be good and on my best behaviour or on, well, decent behaviour, let's say. But I was kind of hoping to take the journey just, just to see, to observe whether people were wearing the masks. Okie doke. Now, speaking of silliness and all things silly, let's have a chat about this for a moment. Talked about this maybe on Sunday Morning Melodies yesterday. I might have delved into this for a moment. KPMG is a massive accountancy firm. You probably know thousands of employees. In fact, over 15,000 staff, (coughs) excuse me, in the UK. So um, it's been accused of mad wokery by a Tory MP called Andrew Bridgen. He's accused KPMG of mad wokery because KPMG has told its staff, has told its staff now not to talk about private schools, not to talk about skiing trips and to be more inclusive. So like if you are in communal or communal, communal areas, you should be wary of talking about who you knew in private school if you went to cloisters to ski or somewhere in the Alps or God knows where. Don't talk about it because you will isolate people. Uh, KPMG has also made unconscious bias training mandatory for all of its staff and has threatened staff that bonuses won't be paid or might not be paid if the staff refuses to take part in the old unconscious bias training. Isn't that amazing, eh? Now, you'll never guess who agrees with this idea. Not to talk about your holidays or your schooling, lest you make someone else uncomfortable. You'll never guess who totally agrees with this. This makes perfect sense to me. (laughs) What you've got to remember, I think, with... James O'Brien. ...with an organisation like KPMG. So, you know, a big city outfit. You remember Doris who rang in earlier? I'm not sure that was her real name, actually. But uh, the, 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 the... lady who'd worked at Winchester College and gave us a bit of an insight into what those corridors can create while being supremely kind and generous to the to the young men and the boys that would once have been in her orbit. Um, what, what you are talking about is... What's the word I want? It's like a secret language almost. And big city firms like KPMG uh, or Goldman Sachs, where Rishi Sunak, of course, worked, they 
are supremely comfortable places for kids who went to schools like his or indeed mine. I can walk into a room and if it is full of people, if it's like 50% people who went to public school, it'll take me about 30 seconds to make connections. Where did you go? Oh, well, then you must know so-and-so. Or, or I do it a bit with universities if it's a specific course. So I, I, I met someone the other night who did Manchester at Drama. What, what Drama at Manchester, what years were you there? Oh, well, then you must know so-and-so. But, but private education in particular... Put me in a room with 50% privately educated, 50% state educated. I can make a connection with the privately educated in 10 minutes flat. And I can't make those connections with the state educated people. What? What? So you, your limitations are speaking about where you went to school and where you went on holiday. Is that the scope, basically, of your conversational talents, James O'Brien? So you got 50% private school. You went to a private school. Your daddy is a former newspaper editor. And you've got 50% who went to, you know, to state-owned schools. And you can't meet them on any other level other than schooling and expensive holidays. So you couldn't connect with the state school employees on, I don't know, Jesus, Liverpool were fairly unlucky over the weekend, weren't they? Did you watch any of that by any chance? You didn't. You're not into that, no. Did you watch any of the rugby? Will you be taking part in the Queen's Jubilee celebrations or... No, none of that. No, it's exclusive. With, with you, it's schooling and posh holidays or nothing. Is that it, basically, James O'Brien? It's the only way you can reach people. Unless it's an enormous coincidence and probably not a question I'm ever going to ask. So what this story is about is not Andrew Bridgen's checks notes mad wokery. It's about how the other 50% of people in that room feel. But, but who gives a shit how the other 50% of the people in that room feel? Are you legitimately claiming that it makes sense to censor yourself to the point where you won't say to a chap who you see in a canteen at KPMG who you might have went to Eton with or you might have went to Oxford University with, you're telling me it's a legitimate thing not to talk about those experiences lest you make someone who hasn't had those experiences feel uncomfortable. Really? When I'm sitting there going, well, you went where? You went, oh, I see, you went to, you went to Westminster in, 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 in the early 90s. Well, then you must know, you must know Archie Blenkinsop. Well, of course I know Archie Blenkinsop. I went skiing with him last Christmas. Ah, oh, you can't say that, though. Oh, he's always bloody skiing, isn't he, Archie Blenkinsop? Where did he go? Courchevel? Marybell? Oh, well, yeah, of course. And his, his sister, is his sister still married to that absolute heifer lump? I pray to God there was no one called Archie Blenkinsop at Westminster, uh, Winchester, or whichever one I said in the 1990s. If there was, it's a complete coincidence, and I'm sure your sister's husband's lovely. He's taken David Brent to new levels, hasn't he? But do you see what I mean? No. Right? No. And, and, and skiing holidays are quite a good example as well. I only went skiing once. I was rubbish at it. So, so you work for KPMG and you go to the Alps in the, not in the summer, of course, you go to the Alps in January or February and you ski. You're not supposed to discuss that when you come back to work lest somebody else feel intimidated or excluded because they've never been skiing or because they come from, from a socioeconomic background that would have made it very difficult for them to go skiing because their parents couldn't have afforded it. They shouldn't talk about that. 
Just pretend it didn't happen. What you do over the course of your two weeks off there, Billy, can't talk about it really. Meet me after work at the pub around the corner and I'll tell you. Uh, there have been times in my life where I pretended I knew more about skiing than I did because that's what they were talking about in the circle of people I'm standing in. So, you know, have you ever been on a black run? I, say, I only ever go on black runs. I mean, what's the point of going on anything else, eh? Am I right? Am I right? I don't know. I wouldn't know one end of a ski from the other. I was ten when I went skiing. It's never really... We never had the money, I've got to be honest with you. Bullshit. Uh, it, it was not a holiday that our family were capable of of considering. We, Bullshit. We, we used to occasionally get a, get a caravan in, in Brittany in the summer because mum and dad were spending all their money on the bloody school fees so that I could hang out with people who went skiing every Christmas. And, and I just see this story as being all about the other people in the room that didn't have that really entitled air. My God. And, and I can say this because I, I, I'm capable of being one of them. This is dangerous. I'm capable of being one of them. This is so dangerous, this, isn't it? What's happening to society, to people, to dialect, to interpersonal relationships, what they're trying to do to people. You shouldn't speak about going on holidays to to a, a ski resort lest it make some chap in your immediate vicinity uncomfortable because his parents didn't have the money to send him skiing. And you must also attend unconscious bias training. Uh, and if you don't, we 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 will probably withhold your your bonus. This is insanity, and you know, ironically, this this dickhead O'Brien runs a segment on his program called Woke Watch, where he attempts and fails to elicit laughs. He fails because he isn't funny uh, to elicit laughs from his listeners, um, at the expense of people who criticise this stuff. O'Brien goes after people or attempts to, who criticise this and who, who, who attempt to analyse it and to make the case that this is incredibly dangerous. A couple of minutes later, a woman rang in, a woman of colour, who kind of doesn't agree with him. Michelle's in Wandsworth. Michelle, what would you like to say? Um, hi, yes. Yeah, so I actually currently work at an investment bank and I'm at a fairly senior position. Are you allowed to phone the radio? I, I mean, are you allowed <laughs> to do this when you've got a massive deal in the offing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. logged in right now as we speak, cool. so uh, juggling two balls at once. But um, I absolutely agree and with the need to have unconscious bias in kind of our white-collar mm. city uh, industry, but I don't think that this is the right way to do it. No. So my background is not necessarily humble. I'm from America, so when I first moved <laughs> here, I had a twofold uh, experience. Not only did I have to get myself accustomed to this kind of old boy culture, yes. but I had to get accustomed to you know what it is to to operate and live and work in an entirely new country. So I had two things to adjust yes, to. Yes, of course. So when it comes to you know this concept of essentially red taping, what we're going to call these old boy hobbies, mm. I. I it's not the right way of doing it because I, if from my perspective, they're sharing their interests and perhaps I'm poorly timed or well-timed, but I fully agree with the previous caller, what Tony was mentioning. Mm. So I'm reading it differently. I, I'm not reading it that you will get into trouble if you talk about it. I'm reading it mm -hmm. as some, and I'm thinking entirely of myself here. So Entirely of yourself. What's new there? Listen to this. That's probably something I should be clearer about. I think I would have benefited from being reminded that not everybody in the room is going to be able to do that thing I do when I walk in, which is ask what school you went to. My God, 
he thinks he would have benefited if he'd been reminded when he worked in the private sector. I mean, he's still working in the private sector, but when he came out of the London School of Economics and he had his first jobs, he would have benefited if someone had tapped him on the shoulder and said, moderate your language, censor yourself, be very careful about talking about the nice things in life, like holidays overseas and stuff, because there are people in the room who haven't had those privileges. Being reminded that not everybody in the room is going to be able to do that thing I do when I walk in, which is ask what school you went to, strike up some connections and then have a conversation about the friends we've got in common for the next 20 minutes, while you and Tony would not be part of that conversation at all. And, and I wouldn't stop having those conversations. I would just benefit from the unconscious bit of me that hadn't really registered or thought about the fact that I've just delib- well, accidentally excluded, say, four, four, four people out of 12 from the conversation that we're having. I never would have thought of that when I was in my 20s. That's, that's, all I'm, that's where I'm coming from. Wonderful, eh? The, I, I would have benefited from the unconscious part of my brain not knowing that it's, you know, not right to talk about things that um, alienate other people in the room. It's absolute insanity, this. It's 28 minutes to the top of the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show. A lot of them um, comment on this. Let me get to your comments. It's richieallen.co.uk. Comment live on the menu bar. That's how you reach me. Bruce says, I know this isn't an intellectual response, but I'd like to punch O'Brienless right on the nose. See, the problem with a guy like O'Brien... He is legion in the media. He is one of many. He knows it's monumental bollocks, that which he is saying. He knows it is bollocks. But O'Brien is a gatekeeper, so he'll continue to say it. James says, Richie, just regarding LBC, I do have it on sometimes at work. I won't listen to poison like that in my free time. But I want to note my opinion on that station, having listened to you rip James O'Brien and co from time to time. I think LBC is a branch of the BBC, the British Brainwashing Corporation. LBC is literally brainwashing people and probing for an emotional response. I really cringe at this stuff. It's so bloody obvious. Hi to Martin in Spain, who says it's all about me, 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 me. But that's the whole thing, you see. That's what this is meant to do. Um, Or that's what this results in. It results in an acutely narcissistic society where people will more and more, as this stuff goes unchecked, as it goes unchallenged, because the only place it's being challenged is in the independent media, more and more and more and more, people will come to expect to live in a world where where the world and everybody in it revolves around them or exists only to affirm them and their identity. That's where it's meant to go, really. And at that point in time, if it ever reaches that point in time, like saturation where where most people are like that, bang goes the chance of any real opposition to the tyranny that's coming down the train tracks. If they programme enough people to, to, to exist on that level, that I am entitled to live in a world 
that revolves around my needs and that constantly serves up affirmation to me that I am special, that I am righteous, uh, we're in trouble really. And that's where this is going. It is patently insane and sickening to me that a company like KPMG or any company would say to its staff, don't talk about the schools you went to or the holidays you've had or the connections you've made. Don't do that because you're excluding people who haven't had the opportunities you maybe had uh, because you were born into uh, a life of privilege. And I'm a working class kid from Ballybeg in Waterford City and damn proud of it. And this is absolutely horrifying to me. It would horrify me that someone would patronise me or think that I would need to be protected from hearing about their success or their networks if I'm in a room. I couldn't give a shit. But that, that I might need to be protected from that. It's dangerous stuff. The time is uh, 24 minutes to the top of the hour. This is Monday's Richie Allen Show. There's more, and there's more. I read this on The Spectator today. Uh, did you ever see a film called Le Dine de Combe, by the way? Dinner for Fools or Dinner for Idiots. Have you ever seen that? It's a French film from 1998 starring Thierry Lhermitte and Jacques Villeray. Jacques Villeray is dead now. It's one of the funniest films I've ever seen in my life. It's about a society type played by Thierry Lhermitte and he's an arsehole and him and his mates have a dinner every now and then and each of them invites an idiot to be laughed at by the table except the idiot is not supposed to know they are there to be laughed at. Um, James O'Brien is world class. I mean, if there was a dinner for idiots and if I was in a position to invite James O'Brien to it, I would invite James O'Brien all day long and twice on Sunday. Amazing. Um, amazing. Um, st have I got the right name? Steer Pike, yes, is the gossip columnist for The Spectator um, magazine. And he's been observing the the presence of posters on the tube. That's the London Underground. He's seen in recent days and weeks um, a lot of new posters, eye-catching posters, he says, in The Spectator uh, in the last few days. Um, one of them about staring and about how staring is an intrusive form of sexual harassment. This is all part of Sadiq Khan, he's the Mayor of London, and Transport for London. They're um, campaign to get commuters to behave better because apparently there were 19,000 crimes recorded on the public transport system of London last year. So this guy Steerpike writes that, you know, TfL Transport for London is, is penniless, basically, after the scamdemic, but yet they found the money to spend 140 uh, or, or 135,000 pounds on posters advertising their desire to tackle sexual harassment on public transport. Now, this Steerpike guy, who's the gossip columnist for The Spectator, he's used freedom of information requests to learn of all of this. Seven posters covering a range of behaviours, staring, touching, exposing, cyber-flashing, cat-calling, pressing and upskirting. Now, no transport network in the world should be spending money telling its commuters 
that touching, exposing, cyber flashing, uh, upskirting, etc. is illegal. We, we know it's against the law. Those laws have existed since Moses was in short trousers. You don't need to put posters on the carriages of trains saying that touching someone or upskirting them is against the effing law. People know that. But staring? Interesting this. A journalist called Rebecca Reed got into this with LBC Radio's Nick Ferrari this morning. Genuinely, he might be staring at the map. He might be just in his... Now, staring at a part of your body, of course, if he's fixated on a woman's chest, on her legs, I get it. But just staring into the middle distance or trying to study the map, that's now a crime. I think the difficulty is is that every woman I know is perfectly capable of telling the difference between innocent staring and weird staring. But how on earth do you do anything about that after the fact? Because, um, you know, even CCTV, is it's a feeling that you get as a woman. You know your instincts, your spidey senses. You know when something's off. But again, it's very, very hard to capture that. And it's very, very difficult to legislate for it. And I think in reality, what we probably need to do is empower women. And I think it's very difficult because we're all raised. You know, I wrote a book called The Power of Rude, which is about how women are raised to be nice. Um, And I think a lot of women don't feel able to say, what are you looking at? Or to get up and and move because we're afraid of being confrontational, we're afraid of being rude. And I think, unfortunately, the next step is going to have to be to get women to feel stronger rather than needing more intervention from places like TFL. And when she feels stronger or she is empowered, what should she therefore be doing, Rebecca? I'm, I, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing to navigate because what you don't want to do is provoke somebody. And again, as a woman, you are always aware of the fact that you are physically less strong and you probably wouldn't win were the situation to arise. But to say either what are you looking at or you're making me uncomfortable, could you, could you avert your gaze? Or to get up and, on, and swap seats or to get up and move okay. carriage. Okay. Lastly, and I stress again, Claire writing that this will trivialise harassment for women because it is, a, in her book, a low-level offence. Rebecca, how would you respond? I, I find that confusing. I don't see how it trivialises it, because I think particularly with catcalling and street harassment, you know, the average the first time the average woman is um, catcalled, she's 13, oh, very often God. in the school uniform. It's an extraordinary culture that we feel that it's OK to shout things at women but and to staring, kind of give our approval. But the staring aspect, lastly, Rebecca... I don't think it's trivial, but I think it's impossibly hard to to to, to put rules in place to for something yeah. to, to legislate for something that is a feeling you get, and legislating for feelings is very very difficult territory. Well, they're legislating for feelings all of the time, Rebecca. And Nick Ferrari is such a piss poor presenter; he didn't point out to her that by making misogyny a hate crime, for example, which is happening, you you are allowing the alleged victim of a crime, right? It might be a swiped handbag. It might be physical violence, which is unacceptable. You are allowing for the... You are leaving room to increase the sentence of the guy who got caught smacking the woman. You're leaving room for increasing that sentence by a few weeks or a few months. If it is believed that he committed the crime based on misogyny. And that's left up to the interpretation of the victim. Feelings about things. It's another crazy situation. And it's gaslighting of men 
you know, the great majority of men don't shout out at random strangers, let alone random women strangers, whether it's on the tube or on the train or on the street. The great majority of men don't do that. They just don't. And the great majority of people, at least the people I've met in my life, they're not racists. They couldn't give less of a shit what colour or creed in terms of religion, religious beliefs or culture. They couldn't care less about the race, the ethnicity of a person. That's the great majority of people. The great majority of people don't care who the person they are speaking with sleeps with. They just don't give a shit whether that person sleeps with a member of the opposite sex or a member of the same sex. The great majority of people don't do any of that. That's a fact. But if you listen to the news media and read the papers in this country or elsewhere, well, you wouldn't know any, any better. Here's the Rolling Stones. And in a couple of minutes' time, Mark Boyerski is live on the Richie Allen Show. It's uh, 16 and a half minutes to uh, the top of the hour. Live from Salford, me, Richie Allen, with you till 7 o'clock this evening. The Rolling Stones and Jumping Jack slash... On the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk. It's uh, going to be back on tunein.com in a few days' time. Uh, the great Paul Ripley was here today, securing the necessary licensing for that. That's going to happen real soon. That's good news. Just before we welcome our uh, great friend Mark Boyerski back to this programme, Isabel says, but seriously, this is the plan to homogenise the population, to get us to think the same, act the same, etc. But also to separate us by forcing us to consider the others as different. Quite conflicting with the conscious bias argument when you think about it, she says, as to decide what you should say or not say in order to avoid excluding or offending someone. You need to make a judgment on the other person. That's pretty smart, that. Yes, absolutely. Surrounded by morons says, why would I not want a guy to look at and show interest in me as an adult? Chris and Emma say, Richie, we got our Northumberland newspaper today from the local council. It's full of climate change, Ukraine and still COVID. Step up to beat COVID and get vaxxed to the max and all of that. These bastard councils were all paid by the government to lock down. It made me reach for the sick bucket. That's Chris and Emma. Thanks so much for that. Uh, Kelly says, there's something in the air. She says, Richie, I hope you get Mark Boyerski on and Peter Ebden. Tips on how to raise our vibrations and fight depression about all of this BS. My guest today, no stranger to you, get over to his website, markbyerski.com. Look at his YouTube channel. It's wonderful videos, daily uploads there with fantastic conversation, insight into spirituality, into energy healing. Fantastic. He is an author. He is the founder of the Pure Energy Healing Academy. It's uh, our friend, my friend and yours, the one and only Mark Boyerski. Welcome back. How are oh, you? I got, I got butterflies again. Get in there. Did you really? <laughs> Speaking to me? To me? At Yorkshire, lad. <laughs> Fantastic. That's some place to start that. I mean, you're going to say your hellos, so I'll give you plenty of time to say your hellos. But a great time to start is we're being told every day that we're bad. We're being told, and we are, this is everywhere. It's being drilled into people that they are racist, they are misogynistic, that they're homophobes. And this is constant, and I have a theory as to why this is happening. No better man than you to ask 
because you are more in touch with energies and vibrations than I am. Do you get that feeling? Are we bad? Is there a bad energy around our people? Fundamentally just bad? Or is something else going on? Are we being lied to? What do you think? Well, there's duality in everything, good and bad, uh, right and wrong, uh, yin and yang, and it flows through us as an equal energy, richer. And that energy is whichever you want to attune to. So, for instance, the other day I was just scrolling. I had a little bit of time available. And I was just scrolling down and I saw um, a lady's post uh, with regards to two celebrities at the moment that uh, I don't even need to say who it is. Most people <laughs> in the world will know who I'm talking about. Yes. Okay. So, so uh, I, I, I said I, I, I reacted, and I, I love this lady. She's a lovely soul, amazing, and very, very positive lady. And I said, uh, I, I commented, which I very rarely comment, and I said, why are we wasting our energy and putting our energy into people like this? When um, the whole world is watching and seeing that they're normalizing um, real damage in in human beings and normalizing this, why why are we even looking at that? We should be helping these people, not not putting them on celebrity um, platforms. So, uh, uh, and I just said that, and I think I upset her. And then I realized I came away and I thought about it. I thought, you know what, Mark, you, you interacted in this negative energy, this dark side of, of, of any of us that can creep in at any given moment. And I reacted to it because of, well, my disgust of what's happening. And then it changed into, I need to say something. This is the knee jerk. This is the, the darkness um, pushing us into becoming bully and then all of a sudden I'm stopping this lady from sharing her truth which means that I became part of what the darkness what politicians what what um, the the dark hand is trying for us to do all the time Pro programmers to make us defend or argue or fight and I was part of that and then I realized you know what Mark part of spirituality walking your path is about looking at yourself at any given moment and saying hey oops that just bit me right up the backside and I interacted into the same stuff that I tell people share with people every day that we shouldn't be doing therefore I think yes within all of us there is a disconnect at some point, whether we are uh, visually seeing something or hearing something that we don't like. Soon as we don't like something, we enter into this disconnect where we go straight to the brain and there is no connection to the heart or right. the the empathy, the the intuition side of things. That's why when people say, "I don't know why I I committed a crime. I don't know why I did this. I just it just took over me." There is something that is within this energy field that we have to honor, whether it is dark or whether it's light. So now, if we uh, we come to the point that we know that we're all being played, we all know that you know this new cocoa pot pox that everybody's talking this monkey business we are like we're all oh, come on we, we, we all know what's going on now if we don't then we definitely are psyoped we're definitely programmed 100 but the ones that know what do you do about that we spent two years focusing and, and trying our best to help people what do we do now 
Well, I think we do what the dark uh, side of of this world does, the people who are in that dark side. We now need to change the script and we now need to start looking at changing the world how we want it to be. So I've done my two years of trying to help people not do something that could have caused them great harm. And in, in and, and I say this with my hand on my heart, being selfish these past two years, I think could have saved my life because I will not do what I'm being told by my government. Therefore, I go into my heart and listen and use my intuition and make the decision myself rather than being bullied or forced or being called a granny killer. No, hang on now. Hang, hang, hang on. This is fascinating because before this nonsense, this what we call a scam, I'm not saying COVID isn't real, I'm not saying that at all, but the pandemic and the, the story, the narrative was a scam before that, I would have had you down as somebody who wouldn't have towed the government line, who wouldn't have, you know, gone along to get along. You've always been outspoken against uh, things that are wrong. But but from what you've said there, even you, up to a point, went along with things. And so you're saying that the, the COVID thing was even eye-opening for you, Mark Boyersky. Everything over these two years have be, has been so – if somebody would have said to me, this is what's going to happen in these next two years, I would have laughed them down the street. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I, I, they have normalized insanity in all of us. We have all become normalized. We are walking around and just saying, okay, well, no mask today or mask today or, or this is happening today. It's like, come on, what, what has happened to us? So my point being by all of this, and 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 I didn't really mean it in the sense that I, I was being selfish. I was just saying I was using my intuition, but the government was calling me selfish. Yeah, yeah People yeah. were calling me selfish, saying you are not a healer. If you were a healer, you should have been doing all you can to help uh, heal people. Well, I did love. I did, honestly. I tried to help everybody I couldn't, can and say, look, you know, this is the way to become strong. Why is it that I didn't get? the the flu and and yeah. I didn't I don't get the flu why is it that some nurses didn't why is a lot of people didn't get it well a lot of people didn't get it because they looked after their body they looked after their body temple and they started to ignore what was pushed on us this program which they know wholeheartedly these people know this that if they can push a program onto you then you will change the script of the world and the world will mold into that very existence by mass hypnosis and therefore i'm on this show today thinking we need to also change the script and yeah. change it to health and well-being and it starts with you do you know what you've reminded me of do you know what you've reminded me of just there i've gotten a flashback I read a book many years ago. It was, it was um, turned into a script. It said The Poseidon Adventure. The, the film starred Gene Hackman and it starred um, a number of other big Hollywood actors. It's about the ship that's capsized by, by a, a tidal wave. You'll remember the movie. And you remind me of Gene Hackman's character. You really do. He plays a preacher. I'm not calling you a preacher at all. I'm just saying who he plays. You're not a preacher. But he has a different type of ministry, which kind of offends some of the Christians or some of the flock, if you want to call them that, on the ship. He tells them that God, maybe God is fed up of whingers and whiners 
Maybe God is fed up of people who are sitting around waiting to be to be saved um, from evil or saved from darkness. That God will do a bit more for you if you get up your, get up off your arse and take a little bit of personal responsibility. Now, as long as I've known you, you don't you know entertain. It's not you that will be shouting at people and telling them to get up off their arse. But you are kind of saying like you know. You go on about healing, like you're. I get this is what I get from you, like you know, you, you criticize me for not healing everybody, not doing this, but ultimately you have some responsibility for your own actions, and it's time now, you know, not to be sitting around waiting, that um the universe or spirit or God or whatever it is will do a bit for you. If you show a little bit of initiative and get up off your backside, you remind me of Pacman's character when you said that. That's exactly it, Richie. Um, mm. what, how this universe works, if you want to really truly understand it, is as soon as you have a thought, that thought then connects to the universe, cosmos, or whatever you want to call it, the spirit world. It doesn't really matter what you want to call it, God, Jesus, energy, whatever energy. It's the energy of your thought that comes in a form of energy that energy then goes up to the cosmos and the cosmos hears that and then starts to create whatever you want in your life most of the time it's sabotaged by the black screen it's sabotaged by people who are trying to stop us this happens daily so if you've got a great idea if you think oh my god this is what i want to do you'll find that somebody's going to come along and try and stop you and that is the, the 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 difference between the the light and the dark dark is always trying to stop us elevating to us high to our highest uh, vibration level um our spiritual awareness and and the energy that we are trying to create is not given freely in the sense that, okay, would the spirit world or whoever is just going to give it you and you're going to be enlightened and you're going to be amazing and your life's going to be ama amazing. It, it doesn't work like that. But darkness knows that when you're walking a path and that path is becoming more and more powerful, soon as darkness sees that, it will interrupt, it will stop, it will do all its all it can to stop you. That's why most people never achieve enlightenment in the sense of what they wanted to do. Oh, I really wished I'd have done that. My dad was a, a typical example. He went for one interview and uh, they turned him down. So he spent the rest of his life upset because he never continued to try to be that person that he wanted to be, which was electrician. So he ended up being, uh, um, I don't know what they're called, when they look at cloth in um, a mill. It was a, a finisher. It was a finisher and he was angry every day and he came home and he kind of beat us all because he hated his life, his job, because somebody said no to him. And, it, you know, like most people, when somebody says no to you, a lot of people just say, okay, I'll, 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 I'll just agree with that. Or, but some, some 1% say I'm not stopping. Like when yeah. I came to this mountain, I wasn't a healer. And then all of a sudden, people came into my life and 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 I thought I'm going to try this and so many times people tried to stop me with awful awful things happening to me but I look back now and I, I was the one percent who continued who never stopped never doubted and just just one foot Ike says this one foot after another don't stop doesn't matter what anybody says just keep one foot after the other and you'll get to where you need to be but, but could some you, people sorry to, sorry to interrupt because this is really important so, but could, could, could it be possible that some people have 
that it, you're going to, I know you're going to dismiss this now, but could that even be genetic? You know, like your dad, God, God love him. Um, you know, he, he sounded like he was a complicated man. Um, maybe there are those of us who are predisposed genetically, maybe to having that innate ability that, that, that you had not to take the, the knocks and to carry on through, but others are not. Or is that making excuses for people? What do you think? Well, I don't know, because a lady who came to uh, to this place and um, eight years ago from Ireland, actually, um, I said, you have the ability to become one of the most important healers in this world after what I saw her capability was. And she went back home and um, she didn't become a healer, but she went back home and took care of her two children who had autism and never stopped healing them every day and making them stronger. And um, yeah, so it depends how you look at it. You know, some people um, do things like I became a healer and there was nothing else I wanted to do and that was it. But if I had uh, another uh, important thing in my life that I wanted to do, which was take care of a child, then that is equally as important. Yeah. So how are we looking at this? How are we um, uh, measuring what you're saying? It's very difficult because even the smallest of actions be- become extremely powerful in the drop in the in, in that lake of a ripple effect that will help heal the world. I, I just think, Richard, this is all I think. You don't have to be a healer to heal the world. You just have to see the good in people. The energy that's that's always been on this universe is the energy of love, which has never had to be forced on anybody. Yet the energy of darkness and fear is always forced upon us by religion and government. So this is how I see it. You don't need to force love. You don't need to force kindness and 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 good acts every day on on people because it is in it's inside our heart and spirit. But if the darkness can find a way to stop us from connecting to that particular place, which I believe is the source of who you are, not the spacesuit, not your eyes, not your ears, not your feet, but the source of who you are. Inside you, there's a beautiful light that is who you are. You are the spirit of the spacesuit. It's just there for you to use and utilize but if, if, if darkness can find a way to separate the eyes from the heart, the, the ears from the heart, then it's a difficult combination because when you eat correctly, when you eat Mother Earth's herbs, vegetables, plants, seeds, when you drink natural water, when you go into Mother Earth and feel her energy healing you, that bodysuit then connects to the heart and then the heart gives you all the information you need to become the most powerful energy in this world. It's that simple and that's where we need to get back to. The frustrating thing is the simplicity, isn't it? Let's talk about the power of language, the power of words and images particularly. You and I spoke some years ago about about words, about symbols, having vibrations, having energy. You look at the the media. Now, this won't be new for lots of our listeners, but I think it's worth reflecting on. I've got the Mail Online open at the moment, but let's not pick on the Mail Online. If I open the Telegraph newspaper now, if I open the Times, it would be the same. It's this constant negativity. Um, so you open the Mail Online. I'll go through the stories very quickly. 
Boris's boozy party gate pictures. That's an anger-inducing story. The next one is monkeypox. Uh, the next one down is Black Widow could walk free. The next one is the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. How absolutely awful. The next one is Ukraine. Uh, the next one is somebody drowning. Um, a random person drowning. It's constant, constant bad news. Bad news all the time. Soul-sucking yeah draining crap. If you turn on BBC News 24, if you turn on Sky, if you turn on the Spanish channels, it is never ending bad news. Where's the good news? Where are the news stories during the bulletin about people doing nice things or achieving something nice in a community? It's constant. And I wonder how much of an effect is that having? Especially now that we have social media on top of it. What is that doing to to the soul of the population? It, keeping them constantly down and in that low vibrational state. That's a big thing, that. Words, images, constantly beating people down. That's why I don't beat people up, Mark, you know, for, mm. for falling for COVID and for believing all of it. Because I can see that they're being relentlessly... Um, hammered day in, day out with with negativity. And if I hadn't have had my, I suppose, enlightenment, and I, I don't believe I'm enlightened, by the way, but if I hadn't gotten a little glimpse into what's really going on, that'd still be me every day, you know, going to work somewhere, being effect, affected by all of that nonsense. That That's a big deal, that. Words, symbols, images, news. Devastating, isn't it, for people? Yeah, it is. I, I, I've got to be honest, though, Richie, I've never I mean, if I don't look at the news and I look at my life over these two years, I have never had so much abundance of love, healing and people who are wanting to learn how to heal themselves. I've literally had I'm not just saying this, but um, thousands upon thousands thousands of people who have contacted me and wanted to become a healer or learn to heal themselves or want to understand what the tools I use as a healer over 15 years. Tell me about your oils. Tell me about your crystals. Tell me about everything that you use. What can I do to make a difference in my life? I have seen nothing but positivity through all of this nonsense. And that's why I've said throughout all of the people who have, who, who have done pretty bad. And I'm really sorry about that. They've lost their businesses. I, I, I was lucky enough to say, you know what, I'm thriving and I'm able to help thousands of people more and gift more and help people more. So in truth, I, in my own understanding, my own experience, I've seen nothing but people wanting to grow from this and wanting to get out of this madness. So I'm seeing a growing number of people. My kind of teachings is not is not similar to most other people's teachings because the way I, I kind of share and guide is that you have to be the power in your life. If you're looking for me to help you or me to heal you, you've got it wrong. The only person who can heal you and help you is yourself. So I can guide you to your greatest power inside you. I can help you with the surroundings. I can help you with your environment. I can help you with, with people that you're around and give you ideas of what, what could be going wrong in your life why you're sick, why you're feeling down. And once I share that, then it's up to you. It's like, here you go. Here's your fishing rod. Now go out Off and you do go. your fishing. And this is what I've been doing for the past two years, Richard. And it's been phenomenal. The amount of messages on all social media platforms, even though they, they've shadow banned me. It's been incredible because people have actually said, I 
have actually got through these year, these two years with the help of learning what you're sharing. And I've put it into practice. And thank God I found you and other people to help help me overcome the depression, the, the, the anxiety, the all ne- those things that you so. But I just like to go back to the point, if you don't mind. No, about- no. But just just before you do, do you think then that the COVID thing has, has been a step too far for the the architects of the agenda? Do you think on? I mean, we hear about this. We talk about this great reset and where where they want to take things, which is which is horrible. It's awful. We don't have to get into it too much now. But do you, on some level, think that they might have taken a step too far with the COVID stuff? It's very difficult for me to say that because I would have to go around the world and look at everybody and looking around the world right now, wherever I am going to, because obviously I can't travel very far because of the nonsense and what they're telling me to stick up my nose, which I won't. What I see is a lot of people who are still wearing masks and a lot of people who are still buying into everything. So there's always going to be the duality of people who are not ready, who can't see, who truly put their trust and faith into something that... I believe is is a personal thing. So it's very difficult. But what I've experienced is a lot of people are saying, oh, come on now, this is it. This enough is enough. I, I, I am just not doing this no more because they realize the consequences over two years, what it's devastated their family. But there are people that I met yesterday who said, "Oh, thank God for um, the 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 Maxine. It's been it's been incredible. We're so lucky." So it, it, yeah. again, it's personal personal um, experience, and what you go through and what I go through is very different. Like if like I always say this: if I give you a book now to read, you're gonna show me uh, a page in that book that touched you, and I'm gonna show you a page that touched me. It's going to be completely different. We're going to feel something so profound about that page that it blows us away. Now, that says that you're an individual and so am I, and our experiences are completely different. Now, give it one year. Let's have a look at that same book. You read that book again, and you'll be looking at a different chapter, a different page, and you're going to be blown away by it. Why is that? Why wasn't it important last year and it is now? So these are the things that I see in humanity Everybody has their moment where they will awaken to the point where they say, why didn't I see it? And I I believe if it's too late and they're sick and they're ill, I have a lot of clients who say to me now, Mark, I'm really, really sorry that I did that. I said, look, it's the path that you're on. You did what you thought was right. Let's try and manage what's happening with you right now. So we, we... we are helping people. We've created things like teas and we've created stuff to try and help people. I think lots of people are trying to help a world that has become more sick now than ever before. But there is still a huge amount of people who were savvy, who who could feel in their heart that there was something not quite right and they held back and um, good for them. And But, but um, it's not a contest. It isn't no, who's finishing no. first, who's a genius. I, you know, all I care about is for my fellow brother and sister and and I don't mock, I don't laugh. I actually did try and shake people up over the year and 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 yeah, maybe I did mock a little bit, but that was to try and shake people up. Yeah, now yeah. I've kind of stopped that. Well you probably chose done. you probably mocked um if you did mock anyone. I, I'd be surprised if you did really. But um you you probably it was probably directed at people that you felt could probably take it. Exactly. We, we do we do sometimes have a pop at people that we like because we know they can take it where as with others we might we might not i have a question for you 
I've answered this one honestly myself. For me, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 no, I'm not ashamed to say yes. I'm, I'm going to ask you, and I'm not putting you up now to, I'm not trying to uh, put you up to say anything. But whether it's been in the last two and a half years or even before that, did you ever have a moment where you thought to yourself, I wish I'd never found out any of this stuff? Do you remember, um, was it Cypher? the character in the matrix do you remember he yeah. just can't cope with reality so he asks the 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 agents to to plug him back in to the matrix and and to erase his memory so that he doesn't remember did you ever have a moment that you thought you know I'd actually be better off if like our you know neighbors and friends god love them that if i was more like them and i had no idea and i thought the vaccines were great I just, life would be just bloody well much easier. I, I'd plug me back into the matrix. Did that ever cross your mind in the last 15 years, not just in the last two years? No. I didn't think so. It oh, did with me. Sorry, sorry Richard. No, <laughs> it did no. with me two years ago. I thought, no. solve this, plug me back in. The, 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 the point where I, I the, there were certain points where I just kind of gave up because yeah. I, I saw certain things like there was this, a uh, really clever um, d- documentary series all about QAnon. Oh, yeah and, about, yeah. and and when I watched, I think it was series eight, I was watching it all. My heart sunk because it was, it was made so well that it was now going to, I guess what I'm saying is I think it's people, people are, I know it's all, oh, I, re- no, I really it. don't want to say, say it. it, but people, we, we are so easily, led because of our heart and because we want to believe and and we want to feel that people really do this out of love but we are so let down not just by government not just by you know a stranger but by partners and by other people we kind of always seem to be let down by a lot of people and yet we still believe in in some kind of energy that we want to believe in something but i've tried to help people say look stop looking outside stop being external look inside believe in yourself be yeah. your guru be your teacher be the brightest light in this world to change the world because every time you're looking for somebody to bow down to or to fix or help is that one step closer for the darkness to yeah. to to take over this world well said and the independent media can be a cesspit you make a great point there about the q and on thing we know that um, satanic paedophilia is real. We know that. But it doesn't mean that the QAnon story is real. And and people, you know... Now, now, I ultimately don't have any proof that it isn't real, but I don't believe it. And I'm entitled to my opinion. But increasingly, people are not inclined to take a step back and just even to consider for a moment, well, maybe this agenda is clever enough to put some misinformation into the public domain to, you know, to discredit... Genuine cases of satanic uh, paedophilia. All this stuff people, you know, they don't want to contemplate and people should. People should take a step back and realise that not everything is black and white. Let's share uh, an amazing story just very briefly and then and then I'll get out of your way because th- there are lots of comments for you and questions which I have to get to. Let's share a lovely story. Funny thing happened on Sunday. Um, during the Melodies programme, I wasn't on my, my um, Microsoft email. I, I gen- generally am, but I wasn't on it. And at the end of the programme, um, I, I saw that Mark had sent me an email. 
and I should have looked for it because he's kind enough to send me um, a wind-up photograph every Sunday morning. <laughs> uh, beautiful scenes, you know, picturesque um, oceans, beautiful, the Mediterranean, the whole lot. And um, so, so I'm on email and Mark sent me a picture of the sea and of, of his beautiful, white, fluffy little dog. Now, in the um, uh, subject box, he put, Mark wrote, Lady Love. That's what Mark wrote. Now, he sent that email, wait for it, minutes before I played a song called Lady Love. But it gets better. It gets better than that. Earlier today, I've not even mentioned this to um, El Frogo. Earlier today, Rita sent me an email. Now, Rita lives in Staines. She told me Staines, but for the life of me, I don't know where Staines is. If it's in the south or the north of England, I don't know. I'm not going to put you on the spot, Bayerski, to ask you where it is. But uh, it's, some, it's probably down south. Is it Staines? Do you know? I don't know. I, I, I only got a golden handshake when I was at school by my uh, geography teacher, and um, that was a golden handshake. Me, that, uh, <laughs> me too. I, I, I have no idea where it is. Anyway, Rita got in touch. Um, she is in Staines. She's a black lady. Her, her family go back to the, the, the Caribbean. She sent me this email today. She said that on Sunday morning, she was out doing bits and pieces in the garden, pottering around kind of a thing. And she was thinking of her, her father, Leon, who was no longer with us. And he played in a fairly well-known cover band in the 1980s that played a lot of soul music. And he played the, the, the song Lady Love a lot. And she loved it. And he would sing it at home and he would play the records and that at home. And she tells me, Rita, that she was thinking, I wonder if um, Richie might play that some morning on Sunday Morning Melodies. And then she got a feeling that I might play it on Sunday and I did. I, it was the second song I played. Now, years ago, I would have been fairly dismissive of this. This is not the first time this has happened. But it's astonishing that you put Lady Love in the subject bar uh, in block capital letters, that she had imagined I might play that song and that for no good reason, other than it popped into my head that it might be a good song to play, I played the song. It's, energy is real, isn't it? I mean, this it's is not, it's not just it's not just real. It's tangible. Yeah. And, and you just you just said something. You just said you would have dismissed it. This is the oh, vital, I would have done. Oh, yeah. This is the <laughs> vital nugget of truth. That means that if you would have dismissed it, it meant that it was still there. Of course. Of well, course. Well, if, if that's the case, then isn't it everywhere? Yeah. I mean, I would just say to you, you know, Richard, welcome to my world. At 38 years old, I was in a room and I saw this every day. When I went home, I saw it on a night. When I walked through the park, I saw it. I saw it all the time. I wanted to go to the top of the mountain and say, why are you not seeing what I'm seeing every day? And I, I told I don't know if I ever told you a story about um, a book that I wrote called Diary of an Accidental Psychic. There was a beautiful lady who walked up my stairs and she was in dreadful pain. Her husband had just passed away and um, she wanted to have a message from him. And uh, I'm like, OK, I'll, I'll, I don't know if I can do it. I'll try my best to give you information or anything I can. She sat down and I started channeling. And I thought I'd done a good job, right? But she looked at me and she went, okay, that was, that was very nice. But is there any chance of, a, of, a, of some sort of sign or anything you can give me? 
And I'm thinking, whoa, okay, I'll try again. So she put her hands on the table and I put my hands over hers and I closed my eyes and I said, please, his name was Frank, I think. I said, Frank, please give us a sign. At that very moment in the Skylark, the window above, there was a gap of about three or four inches where I just lifted the, the window up slightly and a ring-neck dove came through and sat and perched on the metal bars which are, 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 are below the um, skylark. It just sat there going, Ooh. Yeah, and I had this huge, this has never happened before, just at the moment she asked for a sign, and I took this dove and I looked at her and I smiled. I walked down the stairs and um, uh, somebody said, what on earth? I said, don't ask. Let the dove go. Went back upstairs. I had a massive smile on my face. My heart was beating. I'm thinking that was the most profound thing I ever felt in my life. At that moment, he sent a dove through a window of a gap of three inches. It pushed its way into the window, through the window into my room. I sat down. I looked at her. I had tears in my eyes. And I went, oh, my God. And she said, are you going to give me that sign or what? <laughs> wow. That's... That is a true story, Richard. I remember, yeah, yeah, I remember this, yeah. Uh, so, so my point being, you made something um, to me tingle inside because when you said all about these symbolisms and all about words... It always relates back to one thing that I believe is that if you have a belief in a word or a symbol, whatever that belief is, whether it's positive or negative, it will be that. So if you believe a symbol is a symbol that will make you sick and ill, you will become sick and ill. If you believe in a word that is called COVID, you will create the COVID within you some way or another. If you believe in a word that a symbol or a word that is powerful in your thought and feeling, i.e. God or a cross or a symbol, then you, if your belief is in that, that symbol, then you will create whatever you want, meaning Words and symbols have no meaning unless you put um, some kind of power into it, whether it's good or bad. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. This afternoon we did a test call, which um, we do sometimes before interviews. Mark is an old pro. The old pros generally ask for a test call. I I don't insist on them because um, most people don't have, you know, very good microphones, so I don't insist on them. But Mark does have a good mic. And a few years ago, you sent me a present. And this afternoon, apparently, you were wondering to yourself if I still had the present you gave me. Do you want to tell the rest of this story? Because this is, it's almost telepathic. It's almost telepathy in action, this. Yeah, I mean, today I was uh, really, really busy. I had to go to the bank. I had to look after everybody. I had to do all my work. And then I flew back here from Marbella and I came to the um, the academy and I walked past a, a figure of a Buddha and I looked at the Buddha and as I looked at it, I thought, I wonder if Richie still has that Moldavite that I gave him. Did I give him a Moldavite? I can't remember where I gave it him or did I give one to Don Tolman? I'm sure I gave him a, a Moldavite. And then I asked for a test with you and the first thing you did 
and I've never seen you do this before, you went into your, your, your top and you pulled out something around your neck and you said, <laughs> right. have you seen, I, I've never, I've never taken it off in so many years. No, I don't take it off. No. Oh, oh my God. Isn't the world so amazing? We don't need phones. We don't need uh, telephones. We can connect in this way. You answered my message. Now, if people understand the power of that, imagine what you can do to change the world. Now, this is going to sound really, really strange to you. And you're going to look at me and think that I'm crazy. But let me tell you something. If you can send love to people like I do every day and help heal them, then there's no reason why you can't send love to people that you feel are the most darkest people in this world that might, just might, be the same energy that helps change them from doing something that they shouldn't do in this world. That's what I'm practicing right now. And please think about it. That's, that's, that's worth spending time on that on its own. Hold that thought there because as I mentioned earlier there are quite a number of comments on the website. It's live comment or comment live uh, dear listener, richieallen.co.uk Mark Bayerski is our guest do go and uh, spend some time on markbayerski.com the website. You'll find Mark on YouTube as well. He has legions and legions of followers on YouTube. His YouTube channel is always busy with live streams um, and uh, and upload, so get on there. Martin says, uh, I've always been poor but happy. My par- partner, Linda, recently lost her job and we are surviving on €180 Euro a week. It's always been this way. We came to Spain with €500. Euro. I haven't had a bank account for 20 years. Everything in my life naturally slots together now with my mindset. He says, don't get me wrong. I don't get what I want. I only get what I need. And that's all I need to get along. I feel like it's synchronization or synchronicity when you get an open mindset. That's that's lovely. You'll get what you need, not what you want with that uh, philosophy. Um, let me just read a couple more because I, I think you probably want to come back on that. Uh, Jojo remembers the story. I remember it because you sent me the book, uh, The Diary um, of, an, of an Accidental Psychic. Uh, I remember reading this in your bookmark. Magnificent, she says. I was creased laughing. When the woman says about about the sign, yeah. What more do you need to see? Uh, Love is a fair uh, question. Chris says, Rupert Sheldrake, telephone uh, telepathy. And and on on that, what what you said there about, you know, wondering about whether I had, first of all, wondering whether you'd sent a Maldivite crystal. And if, if you did, did I, you know, wear it? Did I care about it? And then for me to show it to you, that's um, something that I've discussed on this program with um, Peter Ebden, uh, and I'm discussing it with you now, and I'm delighted. And that's the whole concept of distance healing, which a lot of people, um, old friends of mine, old you know, kind of mainstream media friends of mine, they just have no concept of, and they think it's cloud cuckoo land. It's ridiculous to think that um, you know somebody a hundred miles away or two hundred miles away from me could somehow help um, me on an energetic level. I can't buy that. I've um, struggled with that concept myself for many, many years. But as you well know, and my mate uh, Peter well knows, I'm very, very open-minded to 
to the possibility of that. I, I've seen some things in recent years that have kind of um, left me very open-minded about it. Chris says he's with Mark on the Matrix point. He even said to his friend Oana that if more people had been like us and called the pandemic out for the scam it is, refused the jab and the tests, then it simply would not have happened. We wouldn't be where we are now. And Staines is in Surrey, Greater London, uh, says says Chris. So lots to uh, to kind of talk about there, yeah. But the distance healing. I suppose of all, o- over the years, that's probably the one that the enemies of spirituality, the enemies of the light, I suppose they that's the one they attack all the time, don't they? You know, distance healing and and that it can't it can't can't possibly can't possibly. Even though we know, I know for a fact, I've spoken to people like um, uh, General General Albert Stubblebine, four star U.S. general who who's passed away, and he admitted to me on this program some 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 years ago that the U.S. military and the U.S. government and other governments are well aware of um, energetic healing and its uh, greatness and its ability to heal people and to heal communities. Um, You know, they experimented with um, remote viewing and all sorts of stuff like that. So they've always known it's genuine, Mark, the establishment. I I don't know. I don't study any of those things. I just know my experience through my room and spending um, two decades nearly in that room and seeing the miracles of healing. So whether you want to believe it is merely the, you, the, yeah. the, the mind uh, over matter. So I believe in Mark, so I'm going to heal my body. Or whether you believe energetically that some kind of force comes over you, whether that's a spirit or whether it's an energy, doesn't really make any difference in my world. I don't care whether you believe it or not. I just know that it changed my life and it changed thousands of people's lives every single day um, of the year. And so I, I don't need to prove anything. It's like breathing air. I know, I know it's good for me whenever but yeah. there isn't any chemtrails, of course, but I, I'm happy to breathe there and know it's there to, to keep me alive. I know that healing is there. I mean, I could share story after story. I mean, this kind of idea of people saying it's nonsense, They spend if they spent three or four weeks with me, they'd, they'd say, well, you might be there might be something in this. I, I, oh, you might be. Well, this yeah, is weird. Yeah. This is strange. And going from um, you know this is nonsense to this is getting them angry, getting them uh, confused. To okay, maybe there's something in this. And all of a sudden, I'm a believer. Why are you a believer? Well, something happened to me. I had a car accident, and I could feel somebody protecting me. And okay, so now you're a believer, but you weren't a believer last week. So it took a car accident to say to, for you to be awake. Yes. So now, what makes you? So so important and 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 uh, to to your point. Whereas uh, before, you know, it was important as well. So w- what kind of energy is that? Plus yeah. the fact, if you look at other people who who push and push spirituality, I find that also it, it's a it's a negative to me. But like I've had a guy who didn't believe in any of this. I, I gave him a healing session. Then his life changed. He wanted to tell everybody. And I'm looking at him thinking, you're like a, a, a guy who stopped smoking, who wants to tell everybody that they shouldn't smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that, stop. Yeah, just stop. It's <laughs> funny you say about the about the unbelievers. I was at an event a couple of weeks back with, um, with, uh, with, uh, with Peter Ebden. And an ex-snooker player, I won't name the guy, he, he isn't that. He wasn't a he wasn't a very very famous snooker player, but and he was a sex snooker player. Um, he had been very dismissive of and critical of the whole idea of energy healing, and he struggled with a back injury. And um, Peter helped him out, 
And he, he, he said to me at this event, he said, uh, he said, well, my, my attitude was changed instantaneously. And right. it's, it's so, lovely so to hear that. Was, so yeah. what's the difference then? What yeah. was the difference then between somebody who became a believer and non-believer? Yeah. What, what was it? It was a personal experience. You can't, you can't make somebody believe something no. unless they've been through a personal experience. But what makes me laugh is the difference between before and after. It's like, here's the old model, here's the new yeah, model. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's fear though, Mark. There is fear. I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I don't live with any fear now. And I certainly don't live with any concern about what somebody else thinks about me. But, yes. way, but, but way back when, you know, in my kind of commercial media days, I would have been quick to dismiss things if I got any inkling that the room was, was, was you know, dismissive. So if the room, if the mood in the room was to say that, oh, this is airy-fairy nonsense, I would have gone along with that. Not yeah. to be, you know, not that, to be laughed at or whatever. Da that's a David Icke talking about yes. the tuning forks. Yes, I would have gone along with it and I would have kept my mouth shut. You would have vibrated at the same frequency of, uh, yeah. as them. And the thing is, Richie, for me, um, I I don't know if you know my past, but I went on to a, a TV show where I was named the Blind Date We rat. talked about it. I, do, do you know, one of the first times you came on this show really? years ago, we discussed it. Mark was on what was Britain's most watched um, entertainment programme, uh, Blind Date, presented by the late, uh, great Scylla Black, the presenter. And it was uh, 18 to 20 million people watching this on a Saturday evening. And Mark, you had a bad experience. Not not a bad experience, but you were stitched up, basically, by the editing of this programme, made out to be a bit of a, you know, a bit of an Egypt, which is a terrible thing for anybody. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ter terrible thing because you know you've got you've got um, Ted if he's listening. Uh, he he was rubbing my shoulders, saying, "Come on, Mark, we spent all this money on you. You know, say it as it is. Say, come on, put 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 like, okay, okay, I'll say it as it is. But can I say some nice things? Yeah, you can say some nice things. So they take three days of filming, which is like twenty to fifty hours, whatever. We've been all over the place." For three minutes, they take three minutes. They can make me into an angel or they can make me into Absolutely. the devil. So they made me into a rat. Yeah. And they called me a rat. They called you a rat. The and, papers and, and everything. Everything, yeah. Papers, I was slapped across the face in nightclubs, uh, beer poured over me. And like, I had to, that was my absolute, I mean, you have no idea what happened to me. Some bad stuff, big guys wanting to rip me apart. But it made me who I am, and I would not change that for a second because now when people say things about me, I'm like, yeah, well, you, this, this this is like hairy-fairy stuff yeah, compared yeah, yeah, to yeah, what yeah. I went through. Can I just and quickly can I just quickly give a flavour? For people who don't know, Blind Date, so it has contestants. So there would be, there would be a person, the star, right? So you, 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 this, you have a person who might have a date with three people. So there's one person on one side of the screen, there are three people on the other side of the screen. A big, big TV show, this. Uh, the person on his or her own asks a series of questions of the three people on the other side of the screen, and then they pick that person, and then they pick an envelope, and they get a nice holiday on ITV, and they're followed around with a camera crew, and then they go back to the studio, and they tell Silla how it all went. And what they did to Mark was disgraceful. I've seen some of it on YouTube years ago. I mean, it's absolutely disgraceful, you know, to, to stitch somebody up like that, particularly at a time when this show had so many millions of viewers 
and it was reported on all the time by the tabloid press. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that could send you into hiding under your bed to the point where you never come out again. And really? Isn't that, isn't that amazing that I didn't? No, isn't, you didn't, Jay. You got amazing over it. I am who I am today, meaning, meaning that I overcome people who said the most awful things yeah. about me. I still had the strength and believed in myself that, hey, you know, I know who I am. I know, you know, there's a lot of things about that show I could have talked about, and and but I didn't because it's not important. No. At the end of the day, it gave me the understanding about TV, and that's why I've had so many offers on TV, and I've said to them, no problem. If you give me the editing rights, I'll do the show. Fantastic. Hello, anybody there? Yeah, let me bring my own camera person to film the interview. I love that. But no, what you experienced, um, you got a flavour, but a very big flavour of obviously what David Icke went through. Um, I will never and have never experienced anything like that. But I just haven't. And I, I don't know, I couldn't imagine how I might have you know, dealt with that at the time. But you were able to turn that to your advantage and yeah. deal with any fear, any doubt, any self-doubt. And once you came out the other side of that, you then, on your own journey then, you were basically untouchable then. Yeah, I. this is why I said maybe the 1% who, who end up becoming a healer uh, have to go through the most challenging uh, of times. And that's why I often see this pattern of people that I see who are amazing souls who go through so much pain because normally what happens is the darkness sees that and tries to stop you from shining your light. This is why I'm saying there is forces in the world out there and I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just saying if you're aware of these forces, then you're not going to then start thinking it's you or it's other people or it's it's just an energy that you can either buy into or you can say, no, I'm stronger than this. This is not going to affect me. So I made a video the other day out of 1,500 videos on YouTube. I made a video saying, is this energy that stops you? Why do you keep getting blocked? Why do things happen to you that you can't move forward? If you can recognize the difference between this dark energy that's actually trying to stop you because it knows that you're a bloody powerful soul, they're going to do everything they can to stop you from shining. And the self-sabotage, there's a difference. There's a difference. But if you understand this, you know what? You can overcome it because you realize that you are powerful. So you turn it to your advantage. So, uh, you know, people might say there's something wrong with me. How can you possibly say that, you know, after all of these people saying such bad things about you, yeah, you must yeah. be, you must be hard headed. You must be stubborn. Well, maybe I am a little bit, but I know my truth. And my truth is I've never hurt anybody in my life. And that's all that matters. That's the um, there's a bit of, that's a, a bit of Yorkshire in you as well, which is no bad thing. I, I, I did learn. Probably in my teens, the the greatest lesson I've ever learned, and that is the only the only people whose opinions matter to me about me are the people I share my life with. Those people um, can can get to me if necessary. Those people can, you know, they can pull me apart because I love them and they love me. And they can say, you're, you're not this or you're not that or you are this or you need to look at that. I learned that the opinions of people who I don't share my life with or who don't have anything to do with me, they're irrelevant. And it is said to me from time to time by people I know, Jesus Richie, you really don't care, do you? And, I, and they find it, 
you know, they're incredulous that somebody like me or somebody like you or some of our listeners, they are incredulous that it really doesn't affect us, that we've managed to to break through that. And if I could give anyone a lesson, and I, I'm not a teacher, I'm not here to teach anybody anything, but if I could just give one, you know, bit of, I don't know, kind of an ability to people, it's to drop the angst about what other people think about you. If you can lose that, you know, you've got it made. You, 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 that's a great, you know, jump off point, isn't it, Mark? It's For, a golden nugget of truth. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, a path that we all have to conquer, whether we come in this lifetime or the next lifetime. Uh, but whatever happens, please, God, if there is, don't let me come back as a monkey. <laughs> But, but I was I was just thinking uh, yeah. while you said that this is extremely important right now that we we try and understand that there's a lot of people trying to push global meditation, and I I, I I've said to people they struggle with me talking about this and the reason why I talk about this is because if we have to have a a, a tribe a, a group of people to make something powerful, then you will lose your power. If you become the global meditation, then we will change the world in a day. And it's something to think about, guys. It really is. We've got about five minutes left um, today. Mark Boyerski is our guest, folks. Check Mark out. I know you have, but new listeners joining uh, the programme all the time. You'll be fascinated by what you've heard. Go to markboyerski.com, go to Mark's YouTube channel. I've got to say this on behalf of everybody listening to this show and to other programmes, a massive thanks to you for doing so much over the years to help push um, you know, programmes like this in terms of the, the things you've done to help with support for this programme, including very recently which was um, hugely successful. I can't thank you enough on behalf of everybody else because most people just don't have the time. Uh, they, they would if they, if they could, most people, but they don't have the time. But you go out of your way to promote the independent media and uh, it's a huge help that because you've amassed over the years a great following and that's because of your sincerity and because of your decency and people, you know, they, they see that. It shines through um, you and one or two others like you. So... A big thanks um, for that. I suppose a good way to leave it today would be to go back to Kelly's question way back at the beginning of the programme. Kelly asked about, you know, we don't use the term tricks. We don't say tricks because there are no tricks. But um, on a vibrational level, is there something like a habit or um, a little bit of mindfulness, something that you might say that somebody could do uh, to help them out if they're in a pretty bad spot. Before you give that answer, and then we'll finish on that and I'll shut up. What I do sometimes is, I do look in the mirror. It's going to sound funny because I criticise narcissism all the time. Now, I'm not a narcissist. I don't have any good reason to look in the mirror. I'm not particularly good looking and I have no hair. But I sometimes look in the mirror and I remind myself that my motivation every day is a good one. I'm motivated to be a decent type of person as much as I can on that given day. And that if I can give somebody a bit of a lift or a bit of a boost, I will. I'll do my job to the best of my ability. I will do it with a good heart and I'll be pure of heart. And sometimes I say that to myself and I think it helps. I give myself a bit of a talking too. That might sound very silly, very simplistic. But, but over to you, if there was something that somebody... Because you said earlier on, people have to do for themselves 
before they get any help. They've got to help themselves. What would you say if you could say something to somebody now? Well, when I first started this field of work that I didn't believe in, one day I was sat down on the mountaintop and I was going through a terrible, terrible state of uh, fear and anxiety and worry for many reasons. And at that point, um, something happened. It was, it was, again, I don't like to make people think that I'm weird or strange, but something came over me. It was a tingling feeling. It was kind of awesome. And all my fear disappeared. And then I heard these words and I, and, and the words say, said, look up for the next seven days. I will not fear or worry. I will not think about anything. I will simply leave everything to you guys. I want you to just help me, guide me. I'll open my eyes. I'll 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 cross the road, look left and right, but I will let you guide me. I won't push. I won't force. I will just spend seven days and surrender myself to where you want to take me. This is called the flow. In those seven days, Richard, my life changed. People came into my life. Things happened. I saw things because I was open to the fact that I no longer was thinking in my mind and worrying about anything. I gave myself seven days off. In those seven days, I saw more things. I understood more. I received more information. And it was the most magical seven days. Then I realized there's a magical number of seven that when you have a healing session in those seven days, there is a, there's a, a seed of light that grows in you for seven days. It's the same thing. So today, right now, if you're listening after this, look up and make a commitment to yourself even if you don't believe that there's such thing as a spirit world, doesn't matter. Just look up and say, okay, I'm going to give it a go. And I'm going to look up and say, listen, guys, if anybody's listening, I'm going to give it seven days. And my promise is to you that I will not fight. I will not push. I will not force. I will not judge. I will not hate. I will simply be, and I will flow and let's see what happens. That would be my starting path of my first footstep towards my goal. Can't wait for next time. Always a pleasure having you on the programme. You bring such fantastic optimism to the show. We spent so much time here talking about and analysing and dissecting pretty bad uh, things. So it's, uh, it's a great gift, mate. Thanks so much. And by the way, folks, I, I know that this man you're listening to here has done some great things for people, gone out of his way for people and not taken anything in return. And, and I know, and we can't name those people for privacy reasons but do uh, check him out go to the wonderful content on the YouTube channel and check out markbyerski.com until next time my friend could, could I just have one second before we go? Do. Go ahead, quick. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, guys. Listen, uh, love you all. You know how much you love the Richie Allen show as much as me. We talk about him nearly every day. We listen to all his shows. This is a great way for, for us to give back. So if anybody goes to markbyerski.com and decides to buy a downloadable ebook out of all my ebooks, all the proceeds will go to the Richie Allen Show to keep it going. And I will choose randomly three people to receive a Moldavite. So from now till one month, go to markbyeski.com and an ebook will get you a ticket. And then I will do everything that uh, means every penny goes to the Richie Allen Radio Show to keep it going because we love you. We love you.
You're too kind. You didn't have to do that. Thanks very much for doing that. Again, you've done that before. I really appreciate it. This this time, more than any other time, is difficult for shows like ours that we don't get any advertising. We're we're totally dependent on listeners supporting the show. So um, so when you do that, it's um, greatly appreciated. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks for coming back. I look forward to next time. Love you all. Thanks, Mark. Mark Poyerski, live from uh, the Costa... I <coughs> should have put the fader down. The Costa Blanca, I think, this evening. Might be the Costa del Sol, actually. It's uh, markpoyerski.com. You heard what he said there. If you go to his website uh, during the course of the next month, uh, four weeks from now, if you buy an e-book there, he's going to give the proceeds to uh, to this programme. That's a great thing. Thanks to him for doing that. It's exactly 12 minutes to the top of the hour. Um, and I'm losing my voice. You know what I've had? For weeks, and I've been talking to, I've I've spoken to Mark about this. I've spoken to uh, Peter about this, and others. You know what I've had? <clears throat> I've had a series of infections. I don't I don't know I don't know what to read into this. That um, they last for a few days or a week, and then they go away. Then a couple of weeks later, they come back. I've never had anything like this. I've had um, the odd. I've had bronchial problems ever since I was a teenager, and. Um, you know, I've I've got asthma, something I developed as an adult. I manage it well because I keep fit. I'm in good shape. I've never, ever smoked, so that's not an issue. But, um, and, and over the years, I, you know, once or twice a year, I would get a pretty nasty chest infection that would leave me low for a bit. What's happening in the last 12 months or thereabouts, I can't put a finger on this. I have spoken to a number of people about it. I've already mentioned them. I've even mentioned it to my NHS doctor, just for the crack, like, because I know they won't have any answers. Um, so, so I get these little infections. It makes breathing difficult, which is something I'm used to, so I don't panic with it. And I'll have a sore chest. And then it will just go away and be back to normal. Now, ordinarily, that, that's a good thing. Your body will have built up antibodies. And you should, for a number of months at least, you should be um, kind of immune to such an infection, recurring. That is the way it would have been for me for most of my life. But lately, getting these constant infections, I tell you what gives me a little bit of concern about that is I've been reading that it's not just me that is experiencing this. It's you as well. I don't mean you, you, but you over there. It's a lot of people. In fact, I met a lady in the park the other day who um, knows about the programme, we were talking. And um, she'd heard me talk about this previously. And she said she's had experience of this lately. And she said um, a sister of hers had ex- is having experience of it, and others. And she said, I think it's down to the, you know, the, um, the rollout of 5G and electromagnetic smog. She said, I believe that's got some connection or that has got something to do with getting these niggly sore chest infections. Now I'm I'm on the downside of the one I've got at the moment so I've had it for five or six days and it's on its way out now. Had it last week not bad enough to you know cause me to miss a show or anything like that um, but using my reliever inhaler constantly to be able to breathe better kind of a thing. So it's on the way out now. <clears throat> she said electromagnetic smog 
which he said you might want to talk about that on the programme or at least um, get someone on the programme to talk about it. So that's the, that's the way that's the way it is. No mucus, no sputum or any of that, just dry soreness causing difficulty in breathing, but not very not very serious difficulty in breathing. But you know, bad enough you'd need to use the reliever. And uh, yeah, quite a few people saying, yeah, yeah, recurring infections that don't last too long, but don't result in any immunity, which is what you would expect after having an infection. Like I said, over the years, I would have an infection, then I would rest easy because I would know that it would be months and maybe months and months before I would have another one. But now it's happening regularly. Uh, To the point where I requested a steroid inhaler today which um again i th- that would be a very rare thing anyway look you don't come on here to listen to my medical history but it might be something that might um, resonate with you it might resonate with you you might uh, be coming across this you might be hearing similar stories from people you you are with you know craig says could the dry chesty problem be due to your aircon unit good question craig no is the answer because i've not used it I've used it once this year so far, and that was when we had a particularly warm day last week or the week before. Good question. Ma on kesht, as we say, Osquelge. But no, pal, it's not the aircon. Definitely not. Um, no, I've ruled out the obvious stuff. No doubt about that. And a number of you have kindly offered me some suggestions, which I will browse a bit later on. Caroline says she's been getting colds regularly over the past two years. Never really had them before. Never really got ill. I do believe that it's all of the towers in the towns we live in. I'm absolutely open to that possibility. I am considering it and I'm bringing Christopher Busby back on the radio show really soon to talk about that and other, and other, to talk about this and other issues as well. Uh, Patricia says, I've been told my entire life, she says, that I'm a good judge of character. And then she pays a, a nice compliment to the Richie Allen Show. Thanks very much, Patricia. I appreciate uh, that so much. And you. Thank you so much for that. Martin in Spain is going to visit a spiritualist church soon, uh, for sure. Jojo believes that uh, she's got two archangels looking over her. Thanks for that, Jojo. A lot of comments on this. I really appreciate them. Thank you. Kelly says that really enjoyed listening to Mark. She needed to hear uh, this uh, so much right now. I've invited Peter to come back on the programme as well really soon. Um, And that would be brilliant as well. Need to do more of this. No doubt about that. No doubt about that indeed. Stephen says great advice. Flo, uh, listening with great interest uh, to Mark. Um, Isabel says great. Uh, Jeff Thompson also wrote about what Mark articulated so well. Namely, the closer you get to enlightenment, the harder the resistance you will have to face. As if dark energies were trying to prevent enlightenment. Or is it our own ego fighting back and trying to regain uh, control, asks Isabel there. Thanks again for all of your messages today. There is time for me to tell you that um, Michael Rivero, my pal Mike, will be on the programme tomorrow. I'll be taking your phone calls 
tomorrow in the second hour of the programme. Please remember that. Uh, make a note of it. I will be taking your phone calls on tomorrow's programme after we've had a good chat with uh, Michael Rivero. I love Michael Rivero. Some of our listeners, oh, I don't like Michael Rivero. Michael thinks chemtrails, he, he doesn't believe it. So what? Is he not entitled to believe that which he chooses to believe? What's wrong with us? What's wrong? Susie was giving out to me earlier on, you know, because I dismissed QAnon. As I understand it, QAnon, the, the central narrative is that Donald Trump is some deep, is some light worker fighting the forces of Satanism and taking on high-profile paedophiles uh, from his position as President of the United States. I believe it to be nonsense. I've never seen any evidence to, 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 to you know, to convince me otherwise. Um, nonsense, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. People can believe what they want to believe. I believe that there is a geoengineering agenda. I believe I have seen enough evidence to convince me that it is a real thing. Now, some of my best friends in the world think it's monumental bollocks. I still love them anyway. Some of the people who have been most helpful to me in producing The Richie Allen Show, namely Hayden Hewitt, thinks it's bollocks. I love him anyway, because that's what he believes. He's not some deep state shill. It's what he believes. Michael Rivero thinks chemtrails are nonsense. It's what he believes. I like Mike anyway. He's got a lot of value, does Michael Rivero. He's a great analyst. And he's got lots of interesting things to say on uh, any number of agendas. So that's how I kind of approach those who disagree with me. I don't take it as a, as a, as a challenge or I don't take it as a personal slight. You know, I think well, it's just what they believe. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. God, what a, what a concept. What a possibility. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've got to reevaluate all of the things that I believe to be true from time to time. I need to break them down and have a look at them and say to myself, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Thank you, Mark Boyersky, markboyersky.com. And thanks again uh, for the support, Mark. I really appreciate that. Just to remind you, any ebook bought uh, through Mark's website in the course of the next few weeks, he will give the proceeds to the Richie Allen Show. That's a wonderful thing and it's greatly appreciated. Until tomorrow, Tuesday at five o'clock UK time, it's bad. It's bad. It's it's bye. It's bye for me. I was going to say happy birthday again to my better half. So I better do it again. To my better half, Caroline, happy birthday. <laughs>